Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And my name is Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. You got it. But before we do, yeah. we have a couple things we need to tell you. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. And I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I taught Sunday school for four years, sang in the worship band, lead singer, without much vocal talent. Mm-hmm. Now I'm an atheist. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not appropriate for Chillums in any way, shape, or form. I usually read the NRSV, and I did tonight as well. Congratulations. Thank you. I read the New International Version, or the NIV. And my, my particular copy of the NIV is a study Bible published by Zondervan with just incomparably dumb footnotes. And I'm going to share some of those with our listeners. And we're all excited about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What book are we talking about today, baby? We're talking about the book of Second Peter, or Peter's second, second apostle. Peter, his second epistle. To the Christians. To, to the whoms? You heard me to the, the first time. To the whoms? Great. Do you want to hear some fast facts? Yes. These facts are going to be really fast because, like, we covered most of them last week for First Peter. It's like, you know, whatever. This is Second Peter. Um, they're both supposedly written by Peter. But they're not. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter, of course, was one of Jesus' favorite disciples, so you could see why somebody would want to cash in on his reputation. Yes, I could see that. First and second Peter also probably aren't even written by the same person, so they're probably just like separate lies. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most challenged books in the canon. One of the most challenged books. Even, even my Bible actually acknowledges that this one might not really be by Peter. That's but it, fair. Like, it probably is, but it, like, there's a chance that it's not. My understanding is that scholars put this as one of the oldest books, uh, excuse me, one of the newest books in yes. the Bible written yes. at the latest date. You can see how I get confused. Oldest, see, newest. When They're years basically the pass, it like gets older. It's like negative numbers. Right. But like the integers, you know, when you take the absolute value mm -hmm. or whatever. No, I agree completely. Yeah. So... Historical Peter probably died. Hi, I'm Historical Peter. In the year 68. Uh, this book may have been written as much as 100 years after that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's written in Greek, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't I just don't got a lot more fast facts. They're just too fast. One thing I can mention is that according to Wikipedia, this book is still not in the standard version of the Bible for churches in the Syriac tradition. Really? The notes in my Bible, in the uh, Oxford Study Bible, mm -hmm. mentioned that it was specifically not in that canon for many centuries, even after it was adopted by the canon later. Hmm. But it also says that the Reformation challenged several books's, books's inclusion in the canon, yeah. including this one. Gollum, of mm -hmm. course, when he nailed his 95 theses to the door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he challenged many bookses. Naughty bookses. <laughs> well, we'll explain this book to y'all, and we'll let you be the judge of whether this belongs in the canon. Okay. Hint, no. Mm -hmm. Chapter one starts with the standard epistle opening. Hi, I'm Simon Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't do drugs. I get high off the holy word. Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, quote, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Great. He instructs uh, uh, his readers to start with faith and then add the following virtues in this order. 
goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Wow, love is last on the list. I know. Definitely not written by Paul. It's harsh. Thus he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, mm. so that through them you may... Did you find that that was a little Trumpian? When I read <laughs> precious and very great, I was like, fuck! Uh, not not in particular. Okay. But I could see where you would get that. Okay. And I apologize for the state of mind that you're in. Where <laughs> You're like triggering my rage, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that through them, these virtues... Mm-hmm. You may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust mm. and may become participants of the divine nature. Now, does yours say specifically that the corruption is in the world because of lust? Let me check. I was a little curious about that because it seems a very uh, it seems a very specific sin to attribute the world's corruption to. Uh, no, mine has evil desires. Mm. But that's the same thing as lust, I would say. I would disagree. Mm, evil desires? Lust? Same thing? No, I don't think so. What, you don't think sexual desire is evil? Mm, not in then most... why are you even doing a Bible podcast? <laughs> Great question, my dear. It's, uh, it's a, actually a really good question. Anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus is, quote, nearsighted and blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Bible's notes literally point out that you can't be nearsighted and blind at the same time. So maybe Peter was using nearsighted as a synonym for closing your eyes, which would, of course, also make you blind. Uh, you can... It's just a metaphor. Like, it, you, don't need to, you don't need to account for this. That's true. Of all the things to, like, stretch your back over. He's just saying, like, people don't see clearly about Jesus if they don't believe. That's it. You don't have to, you don't have to make the metaphor work. Yeah. Also, you can totally be so nearsighted that you are functionally blind. Well, you could be, like, legally blind or something. You could be legally blonde. You, you could. Um, Peter, quote-unquote <laughs> That's all Peter, you have to say about that? says he'll keep reminding uh, folks about Jesus as long as I live in the tent of this body mm-hmm. because I know that I will soon put it aside. Another epistle writer who wants to be uploaded to the cloud. Mm-hmm. That's but, what some people point to when they say that this was— Actually written by Peter, but in the very last years of his life. Hmm, the tent of this body. Well, that he knows that the tent will soon collapse. Collapse. Hmm. I I will say this book does seem to be written by somebody Jewish. Somebody who knows their Old Testament well. Hmm. Um, Speak on that. Well, we'll get into it later in specific examples. But okay. I still don't think it's Peter. <laughs> but it might not be like a... a roman or greek interloper wow i'm just advancing my completely like <laughs> uneducated dilettante no good speak here. on that speak on it you don't even know about speaking on it you don't even know about churches where they say speak on it oh i didn't know that was a church thing oh my god okay we're going we're we're moving forward um here is where about halfway through chapter one this is where the author says that he personally was with Jesus when he was baptized right. and uh, was Heard with him. Heard God's voice yeah. on the mountain. And was with him on the mountaintop when, when Moses and Elijah visited him. So uh, that does kind of create a problem. That does, like, <laughs> now that this is in the Bible, mm-hmm. it either is, like, a blatant lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Like, you can't, like, interpret it in another way. So it does kind of put the church in an awkward position. Mm-hmm. 
where they have to either be like, yep, this is literally Peter or we put some lies in this book. Right. I see. So that does that does create a small problem. Yeah. For our for our friends in the church. Yes. Let's see. He says to pay attention to the words of the prophets as to a light shining in a dark place Mm -hmm. because, quote, no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, awkward position here. It's like you're either insisting that the entire Old Testament is like literally from God, mm-hmm. 100%, like people were just dictating it as God spoke to them. Right. Or... Is all a lie. <laughs> like you could you could avoid a lot of problems by just chopping chopping those verses out. You know, that's what I mean? true. But editing God's words would be a, a blasphemy. Uh huh. Yeah. Like none of the rest of this shit is edited. Yeah. Um. So in my translation, that line is is a little different and really? kind of stuck out to me. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Yes. Until the dawn. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first part of my quote. Yeah. Mm. Do you actually say the morning star? I didn't say the morning star. I didn't read that part, but that is in there in mine as well. Mm. And morning star, of course, is a name for Lucifer. Right. That's, is that what you're going to point out? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I didn't know how to. I just like <laughs> I saw that and I was like, mm, I give up. <laughs> I'm not going to mention that. Mm. You saw something interesting and rather than engage with it for our podcast, let's say. <laughs> You were like, let's not mention I it. I trusted you to take care of it. Take care of it in what way? I don't. All I have are questions. I only have questions also. Everyone reading the Bible has questions. That's the, that's the deal with the Bible. You're supposed to question. You're not supposed to question. That was a lie. Just like the lies in this very book. Chapter 2. Watch out for false prophets and false teachers. And uh, from what I've read, people think... False teachers are bad well yes yes based on my readings um from what i've read people think that this is specifically referring to gnostics Mm. or what my bible calls the most dangerous heretics of the time wow and what way were they dangerous i know right seemed like they mostly like to hang out in secret right like they did their own thing and like Basically talk about a bunch of bullshit that is too boring and complicated for most people. Seriously. To care about. Like it doesn't seem dangerous at all. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and I, apologies, I if, apologies see... if anyone's family was like killed by Gnostic ritualists <laughs> 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. Um, I don't see any specific clues about it like referring to Gnostics. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's that's a common view. Regardless, the false teachers are bad. And uh, they're going to be punished appropriately because God even punishes angels when they're wicked. For example, the evil fuck angels. The direct quote is, for God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. Gloomy dungeons, Mine has chains of deepest darkness, Uh, which is a thousand times better. That does sound a little bit more badass i was kind of like gloomy dungeons i don't know that's that's... gloomy dungeons is like a a part of great america six (laughs) flags it's not that bad (laughs) you want to go to gloomy dungeons i don't know do they have a burger because i'm fucking starving and this place is shit (laughs) i don't think gloomy dungeons has a burger 
think they just send you on like a a drop, like a 15-story drop or whatever. Mm, the one that used to be called Tower of Terror until yeah. someone died on it. Yeah, now it's Gloomy re- Dungeons. <laughs> then they had to rename it for legal reasons. Um, so I know everyone is dying to hear about my Bible's footnotes and what they have to say about the evil fuck angels this week. Um, I'm going to explain it to you right now. It says, basically, yes, some people think this passage is about the fuck angels who came down to Earth. To had, fuck. Had sex with human women. And also taught everybody about makeup. Taught everybody and about. geometry. And also like astrology and like science. Um, And when they had sex with human women, they produced a race of monsters called the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. But. Who were giants and cool. But. Quote. Since it appears impossible for angels, who are spirits, to have sexual relations with women. It appears impossible. I love that they keep opening this door for themselves. The sin referred to in this verse probably occurred before the fall of Adam and Eve. And the angels who fell became the devil and the evil angels, probably the demons and evil spirits referred to in the New Testament. So, again. We're going to take the story of Adam and Eve literally. Right. Like, yes, Eve was created by removing Adam's rib. That that makes perfect sense biologically and scientifically. Um, also, like, God can impregnate a virgin. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, demons can inhabit people's bodies in the New Testament. That all makes perfect sense according to what we know about biology. But... I don't think angels can have sex with human women. That just seems impossible, based scientifically on, speaking. Based on our research, angels are ethereal beings <laughs> that can't fuck. They can't fuck. <laughs> and look, our scientists have been working on this for a long time, and we've figured out conclusively, we here at to the, the best of our ability, <laughs> that angels cannot fuck. At the Who Can Fuck, fuck Lab, <laughs> have decided angels can't fuck. We've hired our smartest our brightest and best biblical fuck scholars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We're going to hell. Uh Here's some good lines about the false prophets that you're supposed to watch out for. Uh they are like brute beasts, creatures mm-hmm. of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Their blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed. An accursed brood. This sounds amazing. <laughs> like these, they're really building these people I up. Know, right? And you know, they're just exactly like the same clowns that wrote this stuff. Dude. They're just writing slightly different totally. screeds. Like, especially if they're the Gnostics, they're like, oh, we're in the tent of this body. Mm-hmm. You know, all that matters is heaven. Like, blah, blah. like, it's exactly the same shit. It's just that they came up with some different cosmology, some slightly different cosmology that's equally nonsensical. Yeah, like these guys are complaining about the idea that before God existed, there's like a network of other gods or other images of god or whatever but they're the ones they're the ones that are saying of course god cast down the angels when they sinned against him of course and then flooded the world and but saved only eight people and it's like guys i mean like your shit isn't any different it's the same stuff just fucking chill out yeah um 
uh, quote unquote, Peter also says that uh, it's really bad. Like if someone. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. If someone like becomes Christian for a while. Mm hmm. But then they go back to sinning. That's like even worse than if they'd never been a Christian. They're going to get burned like for realsies. Wow. Yeah. Everybody's always coming up with new ways about how to be the worst Christian. Yeah. Or what the worst thing is. I mean, I feel like Second Peter actually has like, is like an innovator in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really disrupting this space. yeah, Yeah. I feel like a lot of the stuff that we've read in the New Testament has definitely been focused on um, heaven. It's been focused on what Christians should do and how Christians will be rewarded. Mm-hmm. And uh, this book seems more focused on how non-Christians will be punished. Mm. As we're going to get here in chapter three, titled Day of the Lord, going to get some good old-fashioned Old Testament-style preachifying about Judgment Day. Oh, that sounds nice. Yes. So as we went over about a million times while reading the Old Testament— uh, all the old prophets back in the day were always talking about how Judgment Day is near and the Messiah will appear and the wicked will be punished and the righteous will be rewarded. And that was the role that Jesus was supposed to fulfill. He was supposed to be the Messiah. Uh, but instead he got crucified, which is not something. It was not in the plans. That was Yeah, that was not in the plans. Um, so that forced Christians to add this new rule about how the whole day of the Lord thing is going to happen when Jesus comes back a second time. And 2000 years later, millions and millions of people are still waiting for this. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes up a bizarrely large portion of modern, I'll say Western Christianity. I'm most familiar of course with American Christianity, Mm -hmm. but I think it's Western Christianity. Um, just like people are always predicting when the end of the world is going to happen, praying for it to happen, talking about the rapture all the time. I mean, sure. obviously, like the Left Behind series was very successful. Um, it's weird. I think it's weird, but I don't think it's that weird. Well, I don't think it's that weird in terms of like just general shit. But like, <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, in terms like, of general shit. I mean. In terms of Christianity specifically, like, it seems kind of pointless. Because in the Old Testament, it was like, okay, you know, everybody dies, and then at Judgment Day, they get resurrected, they get sorted into wicked and righteous. Mm -hmm. That makes sense if you need that to happen, right? Right. (laughs) But, like, in Christianity, supposedly, Jesus came down and died for our sins, and so then when you die, you immediately go to heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, limbo or whatever, if if you're in... A branch. That I see. In. So the so the return of the Messiah is really only for the living. Yeah. That it doesn't make any difference if if you die before Judgment Day. Right. So like, why why is everybody so eager for this to happen? Because they're afraid of their own deaths. I mean, yeah, I know, but like, Jesus is supposed to fix that. <laughs> well, he didn't. I'm sorry to break the news to you. Okay, fair enough. Jesus didn't fix death. I'll accept. Th- I'll accept this. I'll accept the charges. I'll accept the charges. You know, it just seems like Judgment Day should be kind of like icing on the cake. Like the main deal should be like 2,000 years in the past. Jesus already came. He died for our sins. Everybody gets to go to heaven. That means you just do your work in this life. Yeah. And then you immediately get your reward. But then no, everybody's still like, can't wait for Jesus to come back and 
reward the Because nobody wants to die, baby. I know. Nobody ever predicts a time for Jesus' return that's outside of their own expected lifespan. So here's what Peter has to say about that. He says, scoffers, quote unquote, scoffers. Is that me? Am I a scoffer? Yeah, I think we're both scoffers. Uh, are going to be like, you know, uh, hey. And I don't want to be down on people that are afraid of their own deaths. It's like. Well, no, everybody's afraid of their own death. Of course. And it should be them. I mean, it's not should be. I don't want to tell you what to be afraid of. But you should be afraid of the end of the world because it's coming. And Jesus is going to judge you all. It's just a natural way to capitalize on people's fear of death. Sure. Is to tell them that actually before they die, if they're righteous, they'll get sucked up to heaven. But it's like. You're supposed to believe as a Christian that after you die, you'll get sucked to heaven. It doesn't make a difference. It clearly does. I know. Based on based on the evidence at hand. You know, that's that's interesting. It's interesting that it clearly does make a difference. You know. Anyway, what Peter says is that, you know, uh, folks like us are going to be like. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, uh, hey, you guys said the second coming was nigh and uh, it's been 50 years and it hasn't happened yet. And like now it's been 2000 years. So mm-hmm. It's been kind of a while. Um, but what what we don't understand is that to God, a day could be like a thousand years or a thousand years could be like a day. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know what time is to God. That's true. So he'll send Jesus back on his own schedule. It's not, you know, it's not for us to decide or comprehend. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, meaning in the night, it'll sneak up on you. Mm hmm. Uh, to pilfer he- and to stole. To, to stell. Mm-hmm. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare, et cetera, et cetera. Very Old Testament version mm-hmm. of the day of the Lord. Um, and this author, whoever he is, also quotes like he quotes Proverbs in here. He quotes Genesis in here. Like he he quotes a lot of Old Testament shit. But according to my study Bible, he also shows a not passing familiarity with jude something we haven't read yet yes i also read that apparently a lot of this stuff is going to be repeated when we read the book of jude and that Um, one is likely thought to be earlier than this one yeah so that's that's a piece of evidence that scholars look at that this wasn't actually written by peter yeah um which I felt like was kind of spoilies from Bible. Yeah, spoilies. To be like, hey, there's a better version of this or like a more authoritative version of this same book. And it's just like three books away. And like all that it all that telling you that does is prove that this wasn't Peter, which we already knew. Right. Yeah. You need to always be prepared. That's that's the main focus yeah. of this uh, of the third chapter here. It's like you need to always be prepared. You need to always be do, doing good stuff. You need to be wearing your party clothes. Yeah. Because you never know when the world's going to end. And you don't want to get sent to hell when that happens. I find this a little too Santa Claus for me. You know, it's like, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. That's true. Although, I mean, if you think about it as just warning you that death could come at any time and that you're, you know, will never be prepared for death except if you do good deeds and are a good person. I mean, you won't be prepared on like a personal level, <laughs> but in terms of your moral scoreboard, you'll be like, as long as you're in the positive, then if death comes, death comes. Def, def con. That's right. Def jam records. If def jam records comes. If they come calling. You got to be ready. You got to have that spoken word piece ready. That's right. Um, Yeah, that's true. That is kind of an interesting look at it that nobody is ready for death ever. Mm-hmm. Um, But... I don't know. I just like 
I feel like I, maybe this is like a really modern viewpoint. I don't know. I feel like I don't need God or I don't need Jesus to tell me to be a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that I just naturally want to have more marks in my good ledger than my bad ledger when I die. And I don't really feel like I need any cosmic Jesus force involved. to to inspire me to do that. I feel like I just feel like that on my own. That's fine. I mean, it's it's been a very good way for people to do that it's for a long time. It's been a rough time. year. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like religion in general is the traditional way of helping. Of motivating people to do that? Motivating and help, helping but, people like but don't most keep track of it. feel like that naturally anyway? They do, but it doesn't mean it's not easier if you organize it in, in religious terms. Well, fair enough. Because you could say, like, what is doing good? You know, like, is recycling more important than, you know, lowering my carbon footprint? Or is it more important than volunteering or more important or whatever? You could have, like, a person to go ask about that. And that would be your pastor, your priest, or your spiritual Advisor? Yeah. Your spiritual what now? Honcho. Honcho. Mm -hmm. Your spiritual honcho. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like Isn't that how religion works? Yeah. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. I mean, I think that's one of the ways religion can work. That's uh-huh. a big way that it works. But it's just like I don't know, don't most people like I feel like most people don't actually need a honcho to tell them that. But I don't know. I don't know either. And and, and certainly there are things about it that And I feel also like most Christian honchos aren't gonna be like Yeah, you gotta recycle. I mean their their views simply may not line up with yours. And if that's the case, you could just go to the Unitarians. They have a lot of question marks for you, for sure. <laughs> that's right. Question marks and free coffee. Yes. Uh, but it's about that time when we take a break. Yeah. And so that was the whole book of Second Peter. And you're going to get something cool in the second half of cool this Cool and fun, just like us. Yeah. Except we're less cool and fun than True. you expect. True. But well, the second half of the episode won't be. Yeah. It'll be more I mean, cool be and fun. It's like awesome. Than you expect. Okay, bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we're going to set aside the book of Second Peter for a moment. And I know you say, how could you do? <laughs> how could do such thing when mm-hmm. so riveting? But don't we have a special thing to present? We do. Um, so a few weeks ago, we put out a call for listeners' Sunday School Dropout stories. Uh, and we told what people... What the hell does that mean? <laughs> it means any... Any instance that you could interpret as dropping out of church or belief in some way. And we said, you know, interpret that 
however you want. It could be something that made you lose your faith. It could be uh, something that you used to believe and now you look back on it and think, wow, I can't believe I used to think that. Um, it could even be something that altered your beliefs and you you still believe in God. Maybe you're even still a, a Christian, but you uh, think about things differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some really nice ones and we're going to let you listen to them in a second. Uh, but first, I'm going to start with my Sunday school dropout story. Are you telling me you're not a believer anymore? <laughs> Spoilers, I'm not. I have told this one on the podcast before, mm-hmm. so I'm going to keep it brief. But one of the things that I look back on is that I grew up in like, well, we both grew up in like a wealthy suburb. Um, and my church, you know, was full of very well off upper middle class people. And that, of course, doesn't go super well with Jesus's teachings about um, blessed are the poor. Only so, if you think about the teachings. In the way that Jesus meant them. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, there's this verse that where Jesus says uh, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. And in my church, we were taught that the eye of the needle was a rock formation near Jerusalem or one of the gates of Jerusalem and that like, you know, it was a tight squeeze, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, a camel could still get through. It was just, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder for Mm -hmm. rich people to get in heaven, but like not that big a deal. Um, The other thing that I think about sometimes is the, um, this weird whole cottage industry that's built up around denying that evolution exists. Mm -hmm. So you get, People will give like entire lectures. People will write entire books um, trying to disprove evolution. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird. Like some of them will just say, you know, oh, well, you know, Genesis says blah, blah, blah. So the world is only 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. But then smarter people will try and figure out some weird scientific justification. So, for example, I had to hear a lot about like right-handed and left-handed molecules and how like one couldn't spontaneously arise out of like the primordial swamp or Mm -hmm. something like that So god must have created the earth yes like just scientifically speaking that's the only way it could happen Mm -hmm. and um obviously i know like not all churches are like that (laughs) some churches are totally fine with reality and science but for so many christians in america and i think around the world Um, I think it's so sad to have to, like, force yourself to be dumber. Mm -hmm. I think about uh, Mike McHarg, Science Mike, Mm -hmm. as he's known. Um, I heard him talk about on a podcast, or maybe it's in his book, or maybe it was when we saw him speak. Anyway, at some point, I heard Mike McHarg say that, like, he was always really interested in science. You know, now he's Science Mike. Uh, But... Since he was raised Baptist and was not allowed to believe in any of those things, he just had to ignore them. Mm-hmm. And then when he temporarily stopped believing, he was like, oh, my God, my IQ rose like 50 points. Like, I can understand science now mm-hmm. <laughs> because I wasn't just saying like, oh, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I remember like just being in school and and like learning about evolution and being like, well, OK, instead of like trying to understand it and take it on its merits, I had to be like, does my religion allow this? <laughs> you know, um, having to like refer to what your religion says reality is instead of looking at reality itself right. and just how limiting that was and how nice it was to be free of that. Mm-hmm. So 
on that note, here are some Sunday School Dropout stories from you guys. Hello. Hello. So I'm 11 years old, and my mom decides that we're going to go on a road trip from Southern California to New Mexico. Now, my mom had a slight physical disability, and one of the places she wanted to go to in New Mexico was a Catholic pilgrimage site called El Sanctuario de Chimayo. This place's claim to fame is that they've got a pit of miraculous healing dirt, which never empties. We go into the chapel, and I remember seeing photos of people in hospital beds, handwritten testimonials, crutches and wheelchairs abandoned by people who have been miraculously healed. Uh, There are people who are praying around this little pit, filling up baggies of dirt to take home for themselves or to their loved ones who they want to see get better. And as an 11-year-old boy, that's not really my thing. So I decide to go outside and explore. I make my way around to the back of the chapel and I find these big piles of dirt. I'm running, jumping, climbing like you do and playing with these dirt clods that I'm pulling out of these piles of dirt. And I quickly realize to my horror that these aren't dirt clods. This is actually cat shit. And my next thought was, this is the dirt that they're using to refill the hole in the chapel. And as I grew older and I was questioning religion or supernatural claims, I kept going back to that experience. And I kept going back to the same realization that it's shit. And eventually I was able to openly admit that I didn't believe in religion and to the point now where I can openly say that I'm an atheist. Hey, Lauren and Nico, it's Jamie, longtime listener, like second or third time caller? First time caller i've emailed i'm drunk so my story is that i was raised catholic and because my mother just wanted us kids to have some religion i think when i converted to atheism after eighth grade she actually didn't care it's like i just wanted you to be raised with something that was nice and since then i've settled into sort of a healthy agnosticism but um one of my biggest memories of being in the church was that I took part in the like church pantomime as the English say uh it was a production of the prodigal son that was done for it might have been Christmas math I forget what it was maybe Easter but I played the shitty older brother who's like a selfish jerk I mean in the view of the storytellers who's sort of a jerk because he's like man well I work for you all the time and you never kill the fatted calf for me I had to be that guy, and apparently I did well. I didn't think I was that good because I was eight years old and had never acted before, but I was like, oh, you are so good as the shitty brother we hate. So that's my story, basically. Um, You know, I love the podcast. That was the sound of me slapping my leg. I love the podcast, and I look forward to what you do in the new year. Hi, Sunday School Dropouts. So, short version. Uh, when I was 13, I was super evangelical, uh, super fundamentalist, very, very homophobic. This was right around the time that uh, Massachusetts legalized same-sex marriage. So I was very much against that, very much like gays are going to hell. Um, so fast forward like 15 years later, um, surprise, I am gay as fuck and I am non-binary as fuck um, and still managed to 
uh, retain my faith through this period of time. And I, just last week, got accepted into seminary, and I'm going to use this time and my hopeful future career to advocate on behalf of the LGBTQ community within the church. So I'm going to make the church super gay, and I'm really excited about it. Hello, Lauren Nico. This is Justin. Uh, I grew up an evangelical fundamentalist trying to fight in the culture wars against the forces of secular liberalism and uh, ultimately joined the other side and have been slowly deconstructing all of my faith over the last couple of years. It's been uh, really fun and different to revisit the Bible with less credulous eyes. I am surprised by how human sometimes the Bible can be in a way that it never was to me before because I always viewed it as being, you know, the perfect, inerrant Word of God inspired. And now I can see more of just the human aspects of our 2,000-year-old writing, and that's a unique perspective I never really got. Keep up the good work. Don't let the bastards grind you down. So, I was raised Catholic and for the first 14 years of my life it consumed my identity. Most fucked up thing in the Polish church, getting only worse since John Paul is the dogma of the rejection of non-observant believers. The phrase that gets thrown around is, Satan also believes in God, meaning that you are not a true believer unless you also follow the church to the letter. Which for me was really difficult because there were a lot of things like non-ordination of women, LGBT rights, even four years before I realized I was bi, and the cult of people I really think did more harm than good by putting conversion before compassion. The fun part is, and something that before today only my best friend knew about, is that having quit church, I experienced somewhat of a renaissance of faith. No longer was I struggling with my conscience, I was free to believe in God the way I wanted. It wasn't until maybe a year after when my faith started to get fuzzy, going from Christian to just taste, believing in God without any details needed. Only then did I realize I no longer needed a deity to believe in, to be a good person. Now I consider myself a humanist, as the thing I believe in is people, and the love that unites us. Thank you again to everybody who left us a message and told us your story. Uh, we literally wouldn't be doing this without you. And if I may stretch the boundaries of the uh, exercise a bit, uh-huh. I'd like to offer a Sunday school drop-in story. Ooh, and subverting the dominant paradigm. Yeah. I mean, I never really felt especially connected to faith or faith communities because um, I wasn't a member of them, and I didn't really know how they worked or what the deal was. But stuff like these stories that we just heard and like everything that you've told us before, I'm talking to you, the listener now, not you, Lauren. <sighs> Fine. In letters or on Twitter or whatever, it really honestly makes me feel more connected to people um, and helps me understand something that I, I simply did not understand before. And I think that's that's a pretty special thing. It is. 
and it's a great gift that that you all have given me. So thank you. Oh, that's cute. Thanks, listeners. We love you. Love you, too. <laughs> I think there's nothing left to do except rate this book. <gasps> rate this book. Rate this book. How would you rate this book, my dear? I'm going to give it one out of four accursed broods. Okay. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just like whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I think I gave the last Beautifully one. Beautifully said, baby. <laughs> Thank you. I have a master's degree in creative writing. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think I gave first Peter one out of eight. And so I'm giving this one two out of eight reduced to one out of four. Because I think like the writing was slightly better in this mm-hmm. one. And it wasn't so focused on like suffer bitches. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, yeah, bad people are going to hell. Bye. Which is dumb. Mm-hmm. But like whatever, <laughs> there you have it. How would you rate it? I think I'm going to give it uh, something like two out of five participants of the divine nature. Okay, because it just feels like default Bible book mm. to me. Yeah, something about this has just got the vibe of like yeah. If you open the book randomly in the New Testament, you'd get something along these lines. Mm. I think this is more Old Testament than New Testament. Really. I mean, it's just like if you grafted Jesus onto the Old Testament. There's like nothing about he died for our sins miraculously. It's just all about like the wicked will be punished. That's fair. Well, I guess, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have uh, have excluded the Old Testament in that like average Bible sentiment. Yeah. Like maybe this is average Bible. Yeah. It's like two-thirds Old Testament, one-third new, just sort of like smashed together. Yeah. Without real any, you know, connective tissue. Or anything like that. Because it talks about like all this weird stuff like angels getting sent down and all of their examples are from the, the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, it's like if you're bad, you're like in Proverbs when a dog returns to its vomit. And right. I'm like, yeah, I know I that, that Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, fool returns to his folly. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really have anything to do with... Uh, Jesus. Jesus. And like radical forgiveness. Right. And shit. And all that talk about the judgment day and stuff is, as we discussed uh, in the first half... Ages ago. It seems kind of silly. Simply. Simply. A little silly. Simply seems a little a little jokey. <laughs> uh, so that's my rating. Uh, okay, then we've both rated it, and it's time to open the mailbag. Okay. What's, uh, what's the deal with the mailbag this week? Anything special? Anything interesting about that bag? Feel the heft of it. Hang on. Got one letter. It's an email from a listener who asked us not to use her name. She, like me, was raised Presbyterian, except it was in Lebanon, Hmm. where being Presbyterian makes you an oppressed religious minority. Uh, She says, "So all the all the disadvantages of Christianity and and all the advantages of being Presbyterian." (laughs) Yeah, it's like the worst of both worlds. She says, "Quote." We represent less than 1% of the population and our only representative in parliament got blown up years ago. So a little different from my experiences in Presbyterian. Um, She says there are a lot of Christians in Lebanon. Uh, They're mostly Maronites, a branch of Christianity I know nothing about. Uh, And she says there's significant attention paid to Martakla, a.k.a. 
St. Thecla. Oh, St. Thecla of the keyboard. Yes. And she says, I finally got to learn what her deal was in your podcast, and it's wackier than I ever imagined. I've even been to Malula, where she allegedly split the mountain open. That's so fucking cool. I know. It's so easy to get into this trap of seeing when you when you see all of the made up stuff in these mm -hmm. books um but there are real things as well yeah you forget that like real people were making this in a real context in a real place yeah yeah um this listener also says she's she's no longer a believer but her family doesn't know so stay strong anonymous listener we're rooting for you we are and she also sent us Three turtles and a dog to bless. I think they're tortoises, but... I'm sorry, tortoises. Named Bullet, Speedy, Blake, and Merlin. Listener asked us maybe to curse the tortoises, but I think because they're so slow and they're going to outlive us all... That's true. We should actually bless them. Yeah. Just to avoid any sort of karmic Yeah. (laughs) So to Bullet, Speedy, Blake, and Merlin, I say... Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. That'll do it for today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Thank you, everybody, so much for your voicemails and voice memos and everything that you send us. Uh, We really appreciate it, and obviously we couldn't have done this episode without you. You can follow us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. And uh, we're on Facebook with the same URL or just search for Sunday School Dropouts. You can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. And you can follow Nico on Twitter at Nico Baculich. That's N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H dot com. If you want to be awesome, you can go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. You could be like, we are Foxhound. Who said we were funny, earnest, and full of heart? That's very nice. I've seen uh, Foxhound. He's a he's a DM on Twitch. He's a DM on Twitch. That's right. I don't know what that means really, but it sounds very badass. No, he's great. We want to thank, as always, Elise Carlton for our logo and art. Hells Still the yeah. best part about the show. Absolutely. And uh, of course, I always thank Nico for his music, sound engineering, and editing skills we'll be back next week with more sunday school dropouts ow, oh ow. there's so much bible to go everybody there's like barely any so much to go slim margins here slim hi i'm slim margins hi i'm slim margins we'll, we'll see, see you, you on sunday week. bye bye <laughs> Thank you.